1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologos. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. What a pleasure it is to be with you on this Sunday. A big, big sports day for many of us and always a special event when I'm next to you, Ray Lance. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Phil. Well, you're always a good sport, Phil, so it's always fun to be with you on a sports day, on a sports Sunday day. Peter, I I don't know if I can take these. (laughs) (laughs) We're not even a minute in. (laughs) I know it. Here we go. Good morning. Good morning. And Peter, you're a good spoil sport. (laughs) No, no more puns. All right, no more sports puns. Well, good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to MoneyWise, brought to you every Sunday morning by USA Wealth Group. And our mission is very simple, and it's really only in four words. Protect your family and protect your money. Yep. And boy, there's a lot of people that don't do that, and there's so many ways that you can protect your family. We're going to talk about that today. Mm-hmm. Our topic today actually is... How to Double Your Money. So if anybody's interested in doubling your money without going down to Foxwoods, for example, Mm. we're going to talk about some interesting concepts today about doubling your money. So welcome to Peter Lance. Um, We're not keeping you up this morning. (laughs) I'm here. I've had my coffee. He needs double mint gum. I just didn't want to go into these uh, good sport and get into that kind of banter. Okay. Look, those cheesy commercials that my boys and I always make fun of, where they don't actually spend the money to be a sponsor for the Red Sox or the Patriots, but they talk about, let's get a grand slam by getting this new car, or come and see this attorney because I'm a, I'll hit you a grand slam and get you a touchdown and score some points. And <laughs> well, let me ask you a real simple question this morning, Pete. How would you like to double your pleasure, mm. or maybe you'd like to double your fun? I'd rather Wait. just double my money. Double mint gum. Double mint double mint gum. <laughs> you probably don't even know that expression, do you? No, I do. It was a very highly um, uh, visible marketing campaign in probably the late 80s. I wonder if they, they still use oh, that. No, I twins. haven't. They always had twins. Yeah. No, I haven't heard that in <laughs> probably 20 years at least. That was a little subliminal message, wasn't it? Right. <laughs> Well, we are going to talk today about doubling your money. So uh, what would Sunday morning be on MoneyWise without starting out with a a good quotation? So this one is from Joe Biden, and we know who Joe Biden is. Um, I actually like Joe Biden. You know, I used to say that I didn't think I'd want him as a presidential candidate, but boy, it sure looks really pretty good right now. (laughs) So Joe Biden said, don't tell me what you value. Show me your budget, and I'll tell you what you value. Hmm. I thought that was a pretty interesting expression. You know, we talk a lot about having a budget, and I'm going to still mention it again this morning. If you have a budget, then you know where your money's going, and then you know where you can afford to maybe reduce things or change things. And I'll give you one quick example. One of the biggest expenditures that we all have today is cable television. Uh, the, the bills are ridiculous. And there's ways to cut it down. Uh, for example, if you had Netflix yeah. as a subscription, then get rid of all the HBO channels and all those other things that you don't really need and just have Netflix. 
you'll save a lot of money on your cable television bill, won't you, Pete? Well, there's everything nowadays. I mean, there's Hulu, there's uh, Amazon videos on demand, there's Netflix, there's you know regular cable, there's you know so many different ways to watch television and movies nowadays, including on smartphones and tablets. It's just crazy. But yeah, I mean, we've talked about this on shows in um, years past where there's so many more bills that people have today that we did not have 20 years ago. There's cell phone bills, cable bills, uh, satellite radio, there's Wi-Fi bills. I mean, there's so many more things there uh, today that we did not have to pay for 20 plus years ago because they simply weren't there. It's a conspiracy. I mean, think of it. If you have your cell phone now, and if you've got a smartphone, then you, it's not smart unless you put a bunch of apps on it. And then you start buying apps to put on your cell phone. And the apps have in-app purchases to you know, supposedly make them better or make your enjoyment and use of them better. Well, then it gets worse because in order to support all the apps, you have to have more storage capacity on your phone. So now you have a higher monthly bill with whoever your carrier is. So we need to get back to basics. Flip phones. <laughs> Why do you go back to flip phones? Do you remember the ones that were about this big? I did. I had those. Yes. A Motorola? <laughs> well, I had one that was in my car when they first came yep, out. Yep. And it took up the entire console between Absolutely. the two front seats and had cords attached to it. And you pull out this monster like phone. This. Even before he had that, he had paid somebody to put one of the big military radios on his back and just walk around beside him. No, I didn't do that. Field radio operator. (laughs) Well, a long time ago. But, you know, the cost of living is increasing all the time, and it's with new things that we think we need, but maybe we don't need as many as, as we do. So One of the biggest things that I'm finding, and we're going back to the budget now, is that with debit cards, and, yeah, they've been popular and they've been out for, what, 20 years or more, but with debit cards, you can go and spend money at Dunkin' Donuts for $2 here. You go to some other store and you spend $2 there, and you're not really tracking it. Hardly anybody tracks their purchases on their debit cards because you can go and spend anything on a debit card. A pack of gum, talking about double mint gum, and you can lose track of how much you're actually spending. Whereas back in the days before debit cards, you you know usually had a credit card or cash, and you could track and be aware of how much you were actually spending. And now with debit cards, they've got that new chip that slows everything down. Yeah, I have it. it everybody has to have it by now. And instead of making our lives faster and easier, I don't know if anybody else is experiencing this, but with the chip, it's slowing everything way down. Mm. It takes like two or three times as long to do a transaction now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is quite a sight to see this morning because I want you to know how talented Peter is because he can sit and talk on the microphone and be eating the banana at the same time. <laughs> Not no. <laughs> well, speaking of the cost of living, Yogi Berra said, a nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. <laughs> and that's where we are at today. But we are talking about doubling your money. We're going to talk about compound interest. We're talking about who really was the first person to talk in detail about the magic power of compounding interest, and that would be Ben, ben Franklin. Franklin. Absolutely. But um, we have another famous American who talked about doubling the money. He gave the first really good advice, and that was Will Rogers. And Will Rogers said, the quickest way to double your money is to fold it in half and put it in your back pocket. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the secret, ladies and gentlemen. Fold it over. <laughs> 
Fold it in half and put it in your back pocket. You've now doubled your money. <laughs> do you like that one, Pete? Not really. No, that's all right. <laughs> well, we do have some really serious tips that we're going to talk about today. And a lot of good advice from Ben Franklin, because Ben Franklin was really the first person to study the magic of compounding. We're going to talk about safe tips for doubling your money every year. And unfortunately, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to double your money in the bank right now. You know, there's something very important. We're going to talk about this a couple of times this morning called the Rule of 72. And the Rule of 72 was actually discovered by Albert Einstein. And he considered it his greatest discovery. And he said, the Rule of 72 is the most powerful force on earth. The magic of compounding your money is the most powerful force on earth. This is what Einstein said. But he didn't invent it, but he right. discovered the mathematical formula. And it's real simple. If you want to write this down, if you're listening, and you can write, uh, take the number 72 and divide it by the interest rate that you're earning on your account. And let's say it's a bank account. So let's say your bank account is paying you 1%, which it's not right now. If you take 72 and you divide it by 1%, that will take you 72 years before you double your money. And it's really kind of shocking when you think about it. People say, well, you know, eventually I'll make some money, won't I? No, if you're getting 1% interest in the bank, take 72, divide it by 1%, it will take you 72 years to double your money. My goodness. And that's not counting taxes. That's an amazing stat. Well, I'll give you a better one. Let's say you're making a half a percent in the bank right now, and most of the accounts are less than a half a percent. Yeah, I was going to say this. If you take 72 and divide it by one half a percent, it will take you 144 years before you can double your money. Wow. So the interest rate that you receive is critically important, and then the length of time that you have to work with the money is very important. So let's just carry that down. If you're making 4% on an account, Take 72 and divide it by 4. It's 18 years before you double your money. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we know that interest rates are at an all-time historic low right now. But let me come up with a more practical number for you. Let's say you're making 7%. And there are uh, indexed accounts, for example, that can produce 7% returns. If you take 72 and divide it by 7%, it will take you 10.3 years to double your money. So doubling your money uh, can be very important. If you have an account where you can afford to just put it and let it sit for a while, and if you're going to average roughly 7%, we'll talk to you a little bit later about some ways you can do that. Well, not only that, but you if you have money years. in a CD that's earning, you know, three-quarters of a percent, half a percent, or you've got it in a money market earning, you know, 0.1%, you're actually losing money. You're not making any money because the... Uh, inflation rate right now is what, 2.3 or so? No, it's actually 1.1%. I actually looked it up this morning. Well, that's gone down quite a bit, and but still. I just recently sent a letter uh, to a client, and I said, you've got a lot of money sitting in the bank at the moment. The rate of inflation is 1.1%. Your bank account interest is paying you either one-tenth of 1% 1 or two-tenths of 1%. You're losing money where the money is sitting. And, you know, it's a good idea to have some funds in the bank. It's a good idea to have some money for emergencies and liquidity, but you need to really think carefully about having large sums uh, there. So in order to double money, 
number one, you have to have it someplace where it's going to make a respectable rate of return. But number two, you have to learn uh, to look at your, your overall lifestyle. What are you spending money on? What ways can you reduce money expenditures? Um, how can you create more money? Um, certainly the budget we talk about all the time, and we're happy to provide a free budget to anybody that wants one. Uh, give us a call, by the way, at 508-998-8858. We're happy to give you a budget. We'll email it to you. We'll mail it to you, whatever you want. The budget form is very useful. It really does open up people's eyes to what they're spending. And a lot of people don't realize it because we have a lot of detail on there, you know, charitable organizations, newspapers, coffee, you know, all these things that people don't think about on a daily basis that add up. Mm-hmm. Well, let's come back to Mr. Ben Franklin for a minute because Ben Franklin was the first person to really study the magic of compounding interest. Mm-hmm. And what he did is uh, in his will, he left money to the city of Philadelphia, and he left money to the city of Boston. And it wasn't a huge amount of money, but he had done a very detailed calculation about how long it would take the money to grow. And um, he wrote it out in his will exactly what he wanted. Um, I, I think there's some confusion I've seen written about how much it was. It was either, I think it was 2,000 pounds sterling because uh, they didn't use dollars at that time. They used simply the uh, English pound. But um, a little over 200 years ago, he left 2,000 pounds sterling to Philadelphia and 2,000 pounds to the city of Boston. And he said that the money could not be touched for 100 years. And he had, did a very detailed calculation as to how much this money would grow. And um, at the end of the first 100 years, part of the money could be used and then the rest of the money would be reinvested again for another 100 years. So this is called compounding. And compounding is nothing more than earning interest on top of interest or letting it sit in one place for a fairly long time. It's also one of the philosophies that Warren Buffett uses, for example, in his Berkshire Hathaway company. And so today, for example, or fairly recently, um, his 2,000 pounds that he started out with even after spending a good chunk of it, Boston still had more than $6.5 million left mm-hmm. in their fund. So money can really grow a lot over time. And um, one of the first early proponents of looking at compounding interest is good old dear Ben Franklin. Just brilliant. I mean, to, he was a brilliant man, of course. But to think about that in that time period is really genius. Mm-hmm. What do you mean he wasn't a man? Huh? Did you say he wasn't a man? No, I said he was a brilliant man. Oh, a brilliant man. I'm sorry. My ears aren't working today. The eyesight's good, though. The eyesight's pretty good. <laughs> Most of the parts are. <laughs> so Ben Franklin said, in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Right. Did you ever hear that expression before? Oh, yes. That was Ben Franklin. Of course, that rule doesn't apply to politicians necessarily. <laughs> Right, Pete? Mm-hmm. We're not making any statements here. We're just saying that's what Ben Franklin said a long time ago. So let's start talking about some specifics, Pete. We've talked a little bit about the Rule of 72. If anybody wants a copy of the Rule of 72 and some examples, we're happy to send that to you sure. also. But we use that rule a lot. 
So the first question we want to ask is, what are your goals? Um, do you need to make more money? Do you want to make more money? Do you want to have more money uh, set aside for retirement? So if you're going to do that, we have to make some lifestyle changes, don't we, Pete? We do. Now, talking about compounding interest before we move on from that, would you rather have a million dollars right now or a penny doubled every single day for 30 days? I'd rather have a penny doubled every single day for 30 days. 30 days. And at the end, you'd have 5.368 million. Yeah. See, people don't understand the power of doubling money. So I just met somebody recently who has a fairly large sum of money, and he's going to put $250,000 into an account. He's, he's a young man. He's, he's in his young, uh, low 30s, and um, he inherited some money. So he's going to put $250,000 into an indexed annuity account and let it sit for 10 years. He's not going to touch it. And we're anticipating that with what he will get up front for a bonus and what he could earn during that 10 years, that his money will probably double or come very close to doubling at the end of 10 years. Mm -hmm. So that takes him to age 43. And at that point, he'll have roughly $500,000. And then if it doubles again to age 53, he'll now have roughly a million dollars. And then if it takes him out to age 63, he'll have roughly $2 million. So if he doesn't need to use the money and touch it, and particularly if it can grow without paying taxes on it, uh, such as inside of a deferred indexed annuity account, for example, uh, $250,000 over a simple 30 years could become $2 million. Wow. So we, we need to think about the power of doubling money, and it's possible to do it. But Peter, you know, your little example was very interesting. Um, I've seen this done at conferences before. Take a penny and double it. You think, well, that's not much. Second day, you're going to have two cents. The next day, you're going to have four cents. And th- fourth day, you're going to have, I can't do the math, it's higher math, eight cents. <laughs> but the power of doubling at the end of 30 years, excuse me, 30 days. Yeah, only 30 days. $5.6 million? 5.368. 5.36. With a penny. Yeah, yep. starting it with a penny. So double your money and you can double your fun. So what are some of the tips that we can talk about, Pete, for things that you could do to be more aggressive about how you're handling your funds or more attentive to what your expenses are, for example? Uh, We do have this, and uh, the very first one is sort of what I already spoke about. It says track all of the money that you spend. It's very hard to do, especially with busy lives, but get a budget form, find out what you're spending on a daily basis. Keep a record of it. And Warren Buffett, by the way, that we like to talk about, started out with $105,000, and he's now worth more than $50 billion. And he said the secret is compounding, how to double your money. The second one is to uh, make dinners at home. And that is so difficult to do, I understand, but there are ways that it can be done. And we are spending far too much money on takeout food nowadays. Uh, There's just so many people that do it. Uh, I'm guilty of doing it more often than we should. Uh, The average cost of a crockpot meal is $2 per person. Whereas Mm. you're talking, what, $10 a person minimum if you go out to eat or have takeout? Yeah, food is a big expense. Although I, I will say I just read recently in the Wall Street Journal that Uh, There's a a 
surplus and a glut of beef on the market right now, and the price of beef is expected to come down. Yes. I love steak. You do? <laughs> I, don't, I don't care for it much anymore. I know, you never have. Um, my wife has some amazing crockpot meals that she makes, and for the most part, they're pretty easy. She can prep it the night before, mm-hmm. put it in uh, the next morning, and just press a button, and eight hours later, it's all set and ready for us. Yeah. Well, talking about compounding, the key to compounding is, yes, you've got to make a certain particular interest rate, but you've got to have time on your side. So the earlier you can start, the younger you can start, the better. And I've got numerous clients that started out right from their very first job, put aside money every single week regularly, and when they went to retire, they had, um, in three or four cases, they each had more than $2 million dollars. And Warren Buffett once said, I make money while I sleep because he his philosophy is to buy things, sit and hold it for a while. Don't worry about, you know, constantly selling things, but buy things for good value and hold on to it and just watch it grow. Don't be tempted to take it and spend it. So, um, Peter, aside from uh, cooking at home, what are some of the other things that we can do? Uh, again, these are all tips that people have probably heard, um, but we have this that we can hand out to people if you're interested as well. It's the 21 tips on how to save money. Uh, the next one is never shop at a grocery store when you're hungry, when you haven't eaten. Oh, it's absolutely true, and we've all experienced that. Everything looks wonderful. You want to buy something else because you're hungry, and you grab, and you grab, and you grab. Yep. Better yet. You grab and then you open and eat while you're going down the, down the aisle. I've done that once. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always find it interesting that when you go to the deli counter, they ask if you want a slice of whatever it is that you're getting. Yeah. And you, I went the other day for some lunch stuff, and they were slicing cheese, and he said, do you want to try a slice? I'm like, no, I know what it tastes like. I'll eat it when I get back to the <laughs> office. And then the next thing was chicken. Do you want to try a slice of the chicken? No, that's okay. <laughs> well, I think it's more fun to... Uh, eat on the go, so you start eating the package. Then when you get up to the counter, you complain, and you say, this package is only half full. I want my money back. Yeah, that's not a way to oh, wait save a money, people. I didn't pay for it yet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The cookies. It's always the cookies. I'm trying to give up cookies, um, but it's really hard. So you have to have a goal, and don't just do it abstractly. Think, what do you want to save? How much do you want to put aside every week? So if you have a budget and you know you can put aside 25 or $50 or even $100 a week, do it religiously. And the other way you can make that happen uh, more likely is have it done automatically. Have it taken out of a paycheck so then you don't have to think about it anymore and be tempted to spend it. So set goals, have a budget, and as Peter said, track your budget. Pay close attention to the rule of 72 where you have your money is going to make a huge difference. And what if you start late? What if you're in your 50s or even if you're in your 60s or 70s? It's still not too late. If you have money that you don't really need, well, put it in something safe and conservative, but put it in a place where you don't need it, you're not going to touch it. And um, how about buying a house, Pete? Is buying a house a good idea? for accumulating money and doubling your money? Yeah, of course. Real estate, historically, is absolutely a very good investment. Okay. 
And I saw an article just very recently that said, why don't you make your first home be an income property? And I'll tell you, one of the hottest properties in the market today that uh, we've both seen, Peter, you and I, is seeing two-family houses where people are going to have an income and their own cost of living in their own house is going to be virtually nothing because they because they bought a two-family house. And you've seen that too. Yep, absolutely. So you're listening to USA Wealth Group this morning, brought to you every week. Um, uh, we bring you MoneyWise every week from the USA Wealth Group. We're located at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. Um, come visit us. Make an appointment and come see us. We've got so many wonderful things that we can share. Um, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I want to tell you about a brand new IRS email scam. This is different from what you've been hearing about recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is dated this past week out of the Wall Street Journal, a new IRS scam that we need to be careful about. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to MoneyWise, brought to you by USA Wealth Group. Come see us at USA Wealth Group. Our office is at 352 Fonts Corner Road, or visit us on our website, usawealthgroup.com. There's actually people that come in just to see the office mascot, Willow, and often we get requests to have her come in and sit in on the meeting so they can pet her and play with her. (laughs) Well, it's fun. I think it makes it um, a nicer, homier office, even though you have to vacuum up a couple of times a week because she leaves her fur here and there. She did not shed at all for the first nine months. All of a sudden, she's been shedding a lot, even though I brush her once or twice a week really yeah. thoroughly. Well, let me come back, and I promised you before the break, we're going to talk about something that's brand new in the news called the new IRS email scam. So you've all heard stories about people calling you on the telephone and saying, um, you're about to be arrested. We want to let you know that you owe money to the IRS, and uh, the sheriff is going to be coming for you. You have to send money right away to the IRS. Right. And a lot of people have been scammed. And what we've always told people, and so have the local police departments and the media, is the IRS never calls you. Never. Uh, they don't send you emails ever. Nope. They only send mail. Um, but there are some new scams, uh, brand new, that are out there right now. And here's how you can spot some of them. If somebody tells you that, you need to make a check payable to the IRS. That's that's a big red flag. No check to the United States Treasury uh, is ever payable to the IRS. When you make a check to the IRS, um, or f- well, first of all, you don't. Mm-hmm. Any check that you owe for taxes uh, that have to be paid to the government gets payable to United States Treasury or U.S. Treasury. No check is ever made to IRS. So that's a big red flag. And just as a reminder that the IRA, the, excuse me, the IRS never makes contact by telephone, email, text, or social media, and they don't ever ask for any personal information that way. Um, Bottom line is that if it looks even remotely fishy, uh, just check it out with someone first before you do anything. Well, the latest scam is preying upon people who might have signed up for health insurance under the Affordable Care Act. And it's not everybody, obviously, but there are now fake notices going out that looks like it has to do with your Affordable Care Act. 
And one of the features of that is that if you don't sign up properly for um, health insurance under the Affordable Care Act, and you're supposed to, then you're going to have to pay money to the government. And so they're sending out phony letters saying it looks like it's coming from the IRS, and it says that um, you have to pay a balance due in connection with the Affordable Care Act for health coverage for 2014 and send a check in right away or you're going to be arrested. So if you, say, if you receive something like that, question it. If you have to, bring it to your local police department. Yeah. Um, you know, bring Who do it. they say make the check out to? Uh, the IRS. Oh, okay. Which is one, yeah. that's your first red flag. Sure. Um, but um, the tax administration, uh, it's called the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, which is an IRS watchdog, has received more than 1.7 million complaints from people. Wow. So this is big. Um, they're also getting phone calls from people saying that they're from the IRS. And so just remember, the IRS never calls. They don't email you. Um, they never call about taxes, period. And they send you a bill, if anything, in writing in a regular good old letter form. Imagine what good these people could do if they put that kind of work into something positive, huh? Mm, absolutely. <laughs> so this is a brand new scam, and just be on the alert for it. So we talked we, about goals. We talked about budget. Um, did you know that you can negotiate prices on almost anything? You know, if you go to Sears Roebuck and you want to buy a washing machine or something, you don't have to pay the sticker price. You can say, I don't want to pay that kind of money. I want to pay something less. And in many cases, you can pay less for... Uh, an appliance, a high-ticket item, and uh, you can negotiate. Um, I didn't know that. Yep. I didn't either. Yep. You I can do know that do my that. wife mm. is excellent at trying to get the bottom line price for everything. She's really good at it, including, you know, she goes to Kohl's a lot, and they have Kohl's bucks, yeah. and she'll go there with a bunch of them, and if some of them are expired, she talks the cashier into letting her use them anyways. And <laughs> well, they're anxious to sell merchandise, um, period, but there are discounts that are built into a lot of these appliances and appliance sure. stores, and if you're a little bit embarrassed to ask, you don't have to say, um, will you take X dollars for it? You can say, is there a special on this? Is there a discount on this? You know, I'm told that you might have a special price on this appliance. So, Ray, just this week I was talking about Bed Bath & Beyond. Mm -hmm. They are going to be stopping their coupons, 20% off coupons that everyone loves mm. because their profits are starting to drop. Yeah, they send those things out like candy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, um, it's a lot of businesses today, unfortunately, a lot of stuff. Another thing is my wife keeps receipts and boxes for everything for like two or three months, and then she's good about throwing them away after a couple of months. But phone chargers for my uh, boys' phones, if one of them breaks, even if it's a month after she's purchased it, she has the box and the receipt, and she'll bring it back and say this broke, she's and she'll good. get a new one. She's good. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You have to do that. Yep. Well, Ben Franklin once said, he that can have patience can have what he will. I think he was talking about money primarily. I, I hope so. <laughs> because he talked a lot about money. We had talked about, and again, I, we're happy to either email this to you or, or mail it out to you, or you can pick it up at the office. Uh, there's some other things on that 21 tips on how to save money. Before you double it, you have to save it and, and do something with it. Um, 
we're guilty of this. We have a family of five, and we're always on the go. Often when we need cash to go to a kid's sporting event or something because there's an entrance fee, we'll stop at the closest ATM Mm -hmm. instead of trying to be prepared the day before and go to an ATM that is on our bank. Um, and we end up paying, you know, two seventy-five, three fifty, sometimes even sure. four dollars or more, every time we take money out of the bank. So that's something that try to be, uh, try to plan ahead. As busy as life is, just try to go to an ATM that is on your uh, bank's network. I want to give you a couple more quick quotes from Ben Franklin because he was a master of quotes about money, and a lot of these you heard before. Um, a penny saved is a penny earned. Mm-hmm. That was Ben Franklin. Time is money. Right. That was Ben Franklin. And, of course, he invented the, um, the compounding interest uh, formula. So here's one from Paul Harvey. I am fiercely loyal to those willing to put their money where my mouth is. <laughs> I like that. Does that sound like Paul Harvey? Yes. But, you know, there's so many things that we can do. Good day. Um, in our <laughs> office at USA Wealth Group. Um, you know, you can give us a call at 508-998-8858. We like to say that there's always something we can show you to do, uh, show you how to do that will save you money or make you more money. Right. Most people just don't take the time to sit down and say, what else could I do to improve my situation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it can be very routine things. It can be, uh, I often will talk to somebody about, why don't you pay off this credit card here and do this here? Um, I have a client recently, uh, just this past week, that has a car, um, has three more years to pay on it. It's 0% interest financing, so you say, great, there's no interest financing charge. But her budget isn't quite sufficient to handle that extra monthly payment of $350. And she had some money in the bank, about $40,000. And she also had some money in investments. And what she wanted to do so that she could make her budget every month, she wanted to pull money out of the investment accounts and pay off the car. And I said, well, the investment accounts are making a lot more interest for you than what the bank accounts are. And so why don't you take the $9,000 that you need to pay off the car out of your bank account and pay off the car that way, and now you've got a budget that's equal. You've got a little less money in the bank, but you weren't making any money there anyway. And so the last place you'd want to touch the money from would be the investment account. So she's doing that. And psychologically, it'll help her because now she knows that her income and her expenses are going to be the same, and she can just let her investments continue to grow. So, folks, I have to apologize because uh, this 21 Tips for Saving Money, I'm just reading, reading through these now. Most of them I agree with, all of them I agree with, actually, except for this one. And uh, you might not have a problem with it, but I have a major issue with this one. All right, well, go ahead. It says, a simple way to trim your grocery bill is to buy less meat. Try substituting beans and wheat berries for meat in your favorite recipes. Yuck. What the heck are they talking about? <laughs> I don't know. They must, they must come from a different country. Taste casseroles, enchiladas, spaghetti taste just as good with the meat omitted. I don't know who wrote this, but anyways, the other the other twenty are fine. So I'd say it's twenty tips on how to save money. <laughs> so have a meatless Friday. That's all. Well, you know, you can do things like change out your car. We've already talked about never paying full price, and um, take a look at switching your wireless provider. 
my wife and I were talking about this maybe a week or two ago about how frugal her grandparents are because they went through the depression and you know they would go the her grandfather would go to a store that they sold like weak old bread that was you know almost to the point of stale because it was that much less money and that he still continued to do that even after you know the the economy was doing much better and everything uh, they had a car that they had for probably 30 or 40 years, and they just continued to fix it and maintain it. Uh, I saw an elderly couple, I don't know, a month ago, driving what looked like a 19, early 1960s uh, station wagon, and it was in pristine condition. You could just tell that that car they bought new, and they never bought another car. They just continued to maintain it and keep it up and, and in good shape. So we're, we live in a different generation where we yeah. don't value a dollar the way that our uh, grandparents did. Well, I have a guy that goes to my church. He has a Volvo station wagon. And I calculated how old it was because he's got enough money that he belongs to the local yacht club. But he's got 15 stickers from the yacht club for 15 years on the back window of his car. So I said, oh, this car is at least 15 years old. He says, it's actually a couple years older. I bought it from a friend uh, used, um, you know, about 16, 17 years ago. He doesn't drive it a lot. And why get the new car if you don't have to spend the money to do it? So how about car insurance, Pete? Uh, Absolutely every single year, have your agent look at your uh, insurance policies and your home, your auto, any insurance policies that you have because rates can and do change and sometimes without anybody doing it, it's just an automatic system update that will uh, change and increase your policies. So, And there's also discounts that come along every once in a while. There's changes all the time in the industry. Um, so have us take a look at your uh, auto policy or your home policy and once you do that, make it a, a, a date in your calendar every single year where you have your policy reviewed before you renew it, maybe a month before you renew it, put it in the calendar. And a lot of people, I'd say 90% of all people, don't understand their insurance policies, don't understand the coverages, don't understand what they're covered for versus what they're not. There are um, agents out there. Um, I'm, I'm not you know, slamming a lot of people, but there are some people that would certainly try to tell you that you're getting a discount on your policy um, for the year without telling you that they've increased your deductible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you have to file a claim, you're shocked by that. So have your policy reviewed every single year. Uh, I'm happy to do that. Uh, but if not, certainly have your current agent do that. You know, I just spoke with somebody two days ago, Pete, um, and we we're talking about his children. We're doing some financial assistance work for him and helping him put some of his money in a good place. But I was asking about one of his sons, and he said, oh, yeah, he said, my son uh, had saved enough money. By the time he got married at the age of 22, he already had enough money saved for his down payment for his house. And so he got married at a young age, at age 22, and then immediately bought a house. And he said he started working and started saving when he was nine years old. He was a big kid for his age um, when he went to get this job and I guess it was a friend that hired him to do something Um, and he just kept saving his money and saving his money and saving his money. Nine years old, always had little part-time jobs, always banked his money, got married early right after school, 
Uh, he went to college, got married, and immediately bought a house because he had a down payment for it. Well, in about three years of working with teachers, I have only had two who were in their 20s or early 30s who started a 403B and maxed out the contributions to it. And both of them were in their early 20s, like 22, 23, right out of college, right into a teaching job. And I told both of them, I just don't see this. Young people do not save money. And what you're doing is fantastic, and you're going to be in very good shape when you go to retire. Well, I have a a great article on um, five reasons why your first home should be an investment property. We mentioned that a little bit earlier. But it's a great story about that because you've got uh, income to help support it. But I want to mention something on the opposite side. We're going to do a show um, sometime soon <clears throat> Pardon me, on the topic of school loans and student financing and how you pay for college. There's been some great articles in the Boston Globe just within the past week, one which was on the topic of why vocational education is so important and so necessary in this country. Not everybody needs to go to college, and we need vocational trained uh, employees in this country right now, and we don't have enough people who are trained in the vocational fields. But the other story, there was another story in the Boston Globe just this past week, literally, and it's called Buried Under College Loans, Millennials Are Putting Off Buying Their First Homes, Why You Should Be Concerned. And the story basically says that um, America's student loan debt right now has reached $1.3 trillion dollars which is greater than any other consumer debt in the country wow. except for real estate mortgages. So it's the second largest uh, category of uh, consumer loans. And there are 54 million millennials working right now in the workforce. 70% of them have some kind of a student loan debt. And what the article goes on to explain is that because they come out of college with large student loans, they don't have money to be able to support a house. They can't support it. Even if they had a down payment, they have to make college loan payments. They don't have the money to be able to afford a college, I mean, a, 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 a house mortgage, a mortgage loan. And it gets worse than that because the value of their college loans is also considered part of their debt, and that counts against them on the debt ratio. There's a debt-to-income ratio that you have to have a certain uh, ratio to be approved for a mortgage. And it's a serious, serious problem, the um, student loan industry right now. It's it's obviously massive, record-breaking debt. And unfortunately, it's one of those bills that when you pay the minimum, you're basically paying nothing on the principal. And people are therefore having their student loans 20, 30 years down the road after they've graduated college because you're just paying the minimum and you're not paying any principal down. Well, generally when you apply for a mortgage, for example, uh, the amount of your normal debt obligations, including your potential mortgage payment, can't be more than 43% of your monthly income. So if you have high student loans, it puts you up above the 43%. You won't qualify for a mortgage loan in the first place. So don't think that having student loans is necessarily going to be something great for you. And the other piece of that is that a lot of the students who are graduating from college today with student loan debt can't get a job that's going to pay them enough income to service that debt. 
And then the last piece of the puzzle, which is um, the more serious piece of this as well, is if the people coming out of college have student loans and can't qualify for a mortgage or can't afford the payment to make the mortgage payment and the student loan at the same time, what it means is that the whole real estate marketing has a big dampening effect. So if they can't go and buy a house for somebody who's an older person who needs to, you know, to sell their house, the whole real estate market comes slowing mm. and grinding to a halt. And that's yep. what's happening now, they're saying. Yep. So avoid student loans if you can. Um, and this is a message for parents listening as well. If you're a parent wondering how you're going to pay for college for your student, for example, uh, there are lots of other ways that we can show you how to do that. And there are ways that you can qualify and put other kinds of monies aside. So I'd like to make a slight political comment, Phil, and ladies and gentlemen. This is from my old friend Paul Harvey again. He said, if pro is the opposite of con, what is the opposite of progress? <laughs> it's Congress. <laughs> Good day. Isn't that, isn't that great? <laughs> Here, I'll give you that. You can uh, use that, I like that on the one. air. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's lots of things you can do to, to spend less money. We also want to show you ways that you can improve what you're earning because if you are going to double your money, you have to have a higher interest rate than what you're probably earning right now. And one safe, secure way you can do that is with uh, indexed annuities, as an example, where you can't lose on the principal side. The principal is guaranteed not to go down. Um, a lot of them will have bonuses up front. And then you're going to make interest on top of that, which typically is tied to something like the S&P 500 index, which, by the way, has a huge positive track record in this country. And... Um, so we can show you how to do that, and if you like, give us a call at 508-998-8858. Visit our website. It's usawealthgroup.com. We've got a ton of information to give you. Uh, so, Peter, do you have any quotations you might want to give out this morning? I think you you're have... the quotation man. Oh, I thought you might have a couple of quotations. So Ben Franklin said, Rather go to bed without dinner than to rise in debt. Ah, so he was very much an anti-debt person. You've got to pay down debt. I think my favorite quotation of all times from Ben Franklin, however, is, wine is constant proof that God loves us and loves us to, loves to see us happy. I don't have this one written down, but there's a quote. I don't even know who said it. Whether you think you can or you think you can't. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Ben Franklin also said, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise, and sleepy. <laughs> you know, we've got um, some really good lists here, 35 things you can do right away to start spending less money. Uh, it is truly possible in this day and age, even having a modest rate of return, you know, 6 or 7%, if it's solid and secure and you're not going to lose principal on the downside – you absolutely can double your money in a period of time. Yeah, but if you are sitting on bank accounts, money market accounts, or you know, putting the money under the mattress, it's wonderful that you've saved that money up, but really you're doing yourself a disservice if it's just sitting there earning less than 1% or not earning anything. Well, I tell people that all the time. 
So you have to use the rule of 72 to understand how compound interest works. And um, if you uh, want information on that, we've got an actual chart and graphs and things that we can show you. We're, we're happy to do that. There are a lot of small things you can do, too. Um, small things to increase what you, what you save, what you spend. Stop buying those coffee double latte decafs in the morning. Well, my wife has slowed way down with that. She used to go to Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks every single morning. And you want to talk about something that adds up. You're looking at $4 a day. That's 20 bucks a week. Yeah. So that's a lot of money. So if you had that times uh, 50 weeks, what's that, 1000 bucks? Yeah. It's 1000 bucks a year you can spend on coffee. And everybody's guilty of it, or most people are, because you know you see the Dunkin' Donuts drive throughs in the morning and the cars are out, the ro- out into the road. So if you have uh, a place at work that has a little coffee pod machine, buy yourself a box of coffee pods mm-hmm. and just wait and or make one at home and put it into a cup. You can go into uh, BJ's or one of the supply companies and you can get little styrofoam cups with lids on them. Make your cup of coffee and carry it in with you in your car. Uh, my wife has been uh, using the Keurig machine again. She hadn't used it in years but she held on to it for some reason. She cleaned it all out, and now she's doing that almost every morning. Good. Well, there are lots of ways to double your money. Some of them involve when you start. Some of them involve what you choose to put your money into. We can make good, solid recommendations if you just give us a call and sit down with us. Give us a call at USA Wealth Group, 508-998-8858. We're here to help you protect your family and protect your money. Thank you for listening.